Hello and welcome to Dinosaur Man News and Reviews. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. High energy. High Hello. energy. Um, obviously. So much energy. I'm like, um, you know that machine? Which, what, what? <sighs> the Jurassic Bunny. Okay, so there's a machine in physics. Van de Graaff generator. Okay. Do you know that? The James Van der Beek generator. <laughs> The um, no, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say the Ricky Van Wolfswinkle generator. No, I feel mm-hmm. um, Raphael van der Vaart generator today is mm. May the 4th. The Vanarama conference generator, right? Mm-hmm. So, I feel oh, like yeah, there's one sorry, way to may the graph be with you. There's only one way van to start der- the podcast, <laughs> okay. which is we find out what Star Wars character are you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, courtesy of BuzzFeed, yeah, we are going to find out what Star Wars character live you on are. air. First question: Pick a Bond film. There's okay. there's nine to choose. One, just guess one. Um, you, think, you think suits you? Living Daylights. The Living Daylights is not on there. Uh, I'll take License oh. to Kill as a backup. Oh no, there is there is no Dalton on here. <laughs> Well, then I don't want to be part of this bullshit. View to a kill on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Die Another Day, Golden Eye, You Only Live Twice, Moonraker, Goldfinger, Spoil Love Me, The Man with the Golden Gun. Die Another Day, just for the fun of it. Pick a social network. Okay. The Social Network by David Fincher. That'll be Facebook then. No. You've picked it now. I didn't want that. Which, ah! which did you want? What is there? Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Google Plus, MySpace, <laughs> Google Plus, Google Instagram, Plus. Foursquare, or Tumblr. Google Plus. What's yeah. your favorite subject? Sorry, is Bebo there? I want no, the one that's it's... defunct. Google Plus is defunct, though. So, yeah. What's your favorite subject? So, like, school subject. Okay. Well, what options do I have? Well, do you have a choice? Is there one you'd go with? History. How do you always pick the one? Is it there? Food tech. Maths, physics, politics, English, IT, biology, foreign languages, religious studies, or philosophy. Food tech. Food tech isn't on there. All right, fine. Religious studies. No, wait, that's wrong. I don't like that. What was the first thing? Maths, physics, politics, English, IT, biology, foreign okay, language. Okay, English. Pick a colour. How long is this quiz? I don't know. But... Okay. Again, you pick, need to give me some options. Brown. Would you say that's a purple? Orange. <laughs> orange is on there. We'll go with orange. Pick a Beatles song. <laughs> okay. Um, I've got to go for something really obvious here, haven't I? Mm, so, do you want me to tell you the options? Being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Well, you didn't go obvious then, did you? That's obvious. It's obviously the one I'm going to choose. A hard Is that on there? A Hard Day's Night, Help. Uh-huh. I saw her standing there. Uh-huh. Ticket to Ride. Uh-huh. Let It Be. Uh-huh. Here Comes the Sun. Uh-huh. Octopus's Garden. Mm-hmm. Obladi, Oblada, and Blackbird. Octopus's Garden, because they used to sing it at Red Wings games. Okay, this one I'm going to have to read you the options for. I'm sorry. Yeah. What is your ideal first date? Okay. Going for a drive? No. A nice... Wait, where are we driving to? Mm, Star Wars. Okay, <laughs> I've got an option. A nice walk through the woods? No. Watching a foreign language, watching a foreign language film. No, you tell me if, this isn't your idea. No, because what if they start talking over it? You've never had a first date. Okay, I found you. 
Okay, click that. Shooting, no. shooting one brats I, in your T16. I don't need to hear anything more. I'm choosing never had a first date. Uh, I don't pick, think I ever actually have had a date. Okay, last question by looks things. Pick a Breaking Bad character. Um, Breaking Bad character. Out of all of them. Well, there's nine here, but... Gus. Gus is on here. Of course he is. He's cool. <laughs> of course. Dexter Jetster. You got Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> it says, ha 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 ha, you got Jar Jar. Misa thinking you're no liking this. Jar Jar's a great character. Uh-huh. And what what the audience <laughs> don't know is that while we were doing it, I was choosing your own answers for you. You got Kit Fisto. <laughs> Um, I saw a tweet earlier right? uh-huh. uh, talking about Jar Jar, and I didn't know this, but apparently it's These true. Cool. Um, well, I d- I think Jar Jar got some unnecessary hate. I mean, he's a racist stereotype. <laughs> but the guy got absolutely abused for it. That was what Ahmed Best. Yeah, yeah, but the fault didn't lie with him, and I think that probably um, George Lucas picked up more hate than Ahmed Best did. Ahmed Best just did. No pun intended. The best of a bad situation. Well, I, it's um so, L O'Silly Wood, who is mm-hmm. like a presenter for like gaming stuff. Okay, uh, she tweeted earlier. Since it's Star Wars Day, I'm legally required to remind you that Jar Jar Binks's father was called George R. Binks, and canonically, he hates Jar Jar so much he tried to kill himself after his wife said he couldn't drown him. Okay, that's canon, apparently. Well, what I'm going to say now is it cannot be canon because. Any of that expanded stuff was removed, right? The only stuff that's now considered canon is anything from... Oh, God, this is fucking nerd shit. I don't want to get into... I'm not even that big of a nerd. I just know You're things. You're an absolute nerd. Am I? You're- I'm a nerd because I wanted to be Dexter Jetster. Welcome to the podcast anyway, guys. So no, now, not know- welcome. Welcome to Star Wars. Remember how this week we were going to do a full-form, like, long-form improvisation podcast? Oh, yeah, you didn't want <laughs> And I was going to be from Louisiana, from the bayou, if yeah, you guys, will. If you thought this was an absolute slog uh-huh. to get into, yeah, I was going to talk about be. having alligator stew. Um, okay, welcome to the podcast where we are the only ones who talk news and reviews. I don't like that. This is now the like that's the tagline. Not of even the movie podcast. news and reviews. We're the only ones who talk news. Okay, so obviously Keir Starmer is in charge of the Labour Party. Um, yeah, swerving that one before we get into any <laughs> dodgy water. Um, this, this week, see you later. What will we be reviewing? Uh, so you watch Bad Boys for Life. Watch Bad Boys for Life. I watched um, Creep Show. Did you finish Creep Show? I finished Creep Show, and I've Lovely. watched uh, Horror Noir: The Story of Black Horror. Black Lovely cinema. And can't remember what the subtitle is. Also, we've got our famous section, Giddy for Ghibli. Yeah. Where we'll be reviewing... Pompoco. Pompoco. I couldn't remember what I'd set you. <laughs> I was like, I think it was Pompoco, but um, I don't know. Do we have any gaming news before yes. we get into real news? Yes. So before we get to movie news, first we must go a little little deviation down gaming corner. Shut through the heart and you're too game. Perfect. You give love video games. <laughs> Guys, you thought that he would never do it, but he talked. Uh, I don't actually have any news. I just wanted to sing that. Gaming news over. Um, I started Neo Automaton. I don't understand it. Okay. Let's um, continue. <laughs> I also started Neo Automata, and I understand everything. I Oh, I also um, started playing Star Wars Battlefront 2. 
Uh-huh. Um, Star Wars Back to Front 2. <laughs> I forgot that's what we called it. Yeah. Um, Please tell me be- more. Better than I remember it being like, mm. basically. You know what's better than that is the first Battlefront yeah, yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah, it's still How dare flawed. it not be called Battlefront 4? It's absolutely flawed as a game and it has some huge problems, mm-hmm. but I still got some fun out of it. Okay, how many um, times have you played as Neen Num? <laughs> Never. How many times have you played as Kit Fisto? Is there a level that how is set entirely have... in the diner? No. How many times have I not played as just a standard assault troop? Very not few. many. Very few. <laughs> um, you got some good kills as, um, I don't know, you, you you had a kill streak at one point. Yeah. Who that... were you playing as? <laughs> I can't remember. A baddie? A random man. No, you um, got a hero, didn't you? I played as what's it called? Um, little Nibnub. Nibnub. Is that what, what, what they called? Ewoks. Yeah, that wasn't where you got a kill streak. That was where you got killed instantly <laughs> every time you spawned as him. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it's fine. Um, okay, but I only played that because I was playing Elder Scrolls Online, and that game is just not what I want it to be at all, and it's annoying me because I just want it to be different. <laughs> I want it to be a different game, and it's not that game. Oh, so you're having the same problem that I have with all video games. Yeah, no one you play something. Which is, they're fine until they're not, and then they're the worst. Yeah, the problem is, it's really entitled behaviour, because it's one of those things where I play it and I go, mm. I wish this was something else. I wish this was what I wanted to be, and you not think that's what entitled? Made. Imagine hating video games and still hating them for not being <laughs> what you want them to be. Um, I will eventually go back to Resident Evil 2 Remake. I think yeah. the problem is, is it's too challenging. You keep playing them on mega hard, though. You keep playing well, no, them on this is, I think I think I'm just like on normal. I'm not on like easy, but I'm not yeah. on hard. I don't even know if there is a settings control on Resident Evil Two. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. But what I'll say is, if you have to empty an entire clip into one zombie, <laughs> and you have one clip for the first forty-five minutes of the game, it's too hard. Well, not that it's too hard, but it's like. Tell me how I'm supposed to win. Like, I've played it one time before, in 1999. Please tell me now what I am supposed to do to make sure that I can survive this, because it's it's too difficult. It's too difficult. And I think it's challenging to a point where, I don't know, maybe I'm just an idiot. Maybe. And maybe because I don't like that, video that games. That option is always out there. There is always this challenge. A lot of people are there, like, what if he is an idiot? I did a bit more on horse, and I think horse is bad. And I just... I get why people like horse. I'll be able to get it horse soon. Um, guys, Sorry, um, 7th of May. Whatever it's called. What's it called? Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. There we go. Um, it comes to Xbox Game Pass on the 7th of May. So, yeah. What I don't like is that. And what I do like is, I think I still like Resident Evil 2 Remake. Mm-hmm. But Resident Evil 7 is scary. Yeah. Too scary. Because you're first person. Because you're back to over the shoulder in this, is good. But it's still too scary, but it's also difficult. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to be as difficult as it is. Anyway, That's I've just awesome. wasted five minutes talking about how difficult <laughs> a game is that I'm probably not going to visit back to this year. I don't know, I'm back Shall... at work now, so I guess that's kind of good. That's your excuse. Well, it just means that I'm not going to have to play video yeah. games. <laughs> not that I had to in the first place, I could have done anything. There's some people out there baking sourdough, and you're there like, looks like I've got to go back to horse. Yeah, I mean, like, I've still made things. I've made dinners. 
I don't think I'd be able to make a sourdough. No. I think it's beyond me. I think I think <laughs> I think you are the sourest dough anyway. <laughs> okay, so actual news. Shall we talk some movie news? There's some. Yeah. Uh so do we want to do our famous segment first or second? Oh, let's start first. Hang on, I just gotta psych myself <laughs> up to do a rap. Sorry, did you expect me to say second? Okay. <laughs> You can do this. You've got this. Okay, so the reason I'm laughing so much is because I was going to do a different Eminem song this time. Yeah. And try and work in the word trailer somewhere. It doesn't work though because I was I was just going, um My tea's gone trailer, I wonder why. Yeah. Well no, I was gonna say like his knees are heavy, arms weak, arms spaghetti, he's got trailers on his mind, he's watched them already. Terrible. It's our favorite. One trade around up on the podcast. On the podcast. On the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure everyone is much like me, where we're all enjoying the fact that before you did this, you said, I've got to work myself up to do a rap. <laughs> and that is the Wait, sh- wait. I'm going to do the full rap. No, no. Let's. Now this looks like a trailer for me, so everybody review this, please, and talk about. Uh, Lovecraft Country, because that's the trailer that I seen. <laughs> well, I thought you were and this yourself. is a trailer all for me, and I'm gonna watch this TV show. I thought you were building this up because I, in my head, I was like, but we haven't seen any trailers so until you said that. I thought this uh-huh. was all for naught again. <laughs> Just I wanted to sing another song. Uh, Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country. This is the trailer roundup for this week. Okay, so what did you think? Because you probably know more about this than I do. So much mystery. So much suspense. So much Michael K. Williams. Actually, not that much Michael K. Williams. A photo of him and a flashback of him, but not actually any of him. Uh, So this is uh, coming to HBO, whatever it's called. is it? Hmm, Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes, because that's their new streaming service. Yes, yeah. uh, so this is coming to HBO, HBO Max in uh, August. I'm going to say, so uh, I think I'm right. Is this the so it's it's developed by Jordan Peele? Yes. Uh, so he is a uh, he's a producer on it. Um, I'm not sure if it's been developed by him or if he's just kind of put his name to it <laughs> and said, "Yeah, let's go for it." Um, so a uh, so it's set in the 1950s and a young black man has to go across uh the country into Lovecraft country where seemingly things are not always as they seem uh, in order to find his father who has gone missing yeah from what we know that's what the trailer seems to say that's pretty much all that it gives you um so this is yeah uh, so well, this is the interesting thing is that it is produced and I think, okay, so written, one episode written by Jordan Peele, eight episodes <laughs> written by Matt Ruff and Misha Green. So I'm guessing pilot episode, Jordan Peele, yeah. everything else, those guys, which is good. Um, but directed sort of by a, a, a collection of different people, including Jan Demange, who... I really love. I think he's the terrific director. Um, who is the one who did Seventy One, mm-hmm. which you never saw. I'm guessing, but is terrific. Um, Top Boy is that the thing that everyone was telling me to watch? 
it was on BBC, and now they've done it on Netflix as well, I think. I've heard the name. Yes, because it's actually 2011 to 2019, and I think like the most recent couple of series have been on Netflix. Yeah. But it was an original BBC thing. Anyway, so it looks interesting, if nothing else, mm-hmm. and I am, I am intrigued by it. HBO usually means quality. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it fair, should be good. Very, and the thing with HBO is they're not afraid to do things that would, I don't know, challenge you a little bit more as an audience member. Like, so, mm-hmm. um, for example, Westworld is it's a thinker. It's it's one of those series that if you're not paying attention to, well, that's it, you're lost, and that's your own fault. Yes, and they're not afraid to do programming like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If they really want to kind of go all out, it's the perfect kind of place to put this. Mm-hmm. I like I said, it's one of those I know nothing really about. I don't think it's too much has really up. been because I think I remember talking about it previously when they when there was an mm-hmm. announcement about it earlier this year, and not really a lot was known, um, and still nothing is really known when you yeah. when you actually boil it down. And it's only a teaser trailer we've got, so you know, I expect they'll give us a full thing before it drops, and then, you know, hopefully that will uh, entice enough people to HBO Max that it will, you know, mm-hmm. it will do well. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I will watch a TV series again. <laughs> the first one since Twilight. Zone. Well, no, because to be, uh, I'm talking about a TV series this week. Yes. Okay, fine. Internet TV series, but it still counts. Okay. It's technically what Lovecraft yeah. Country is going to be as well. Technically what we had to do with uh, Twilight Zone. Um, what next? What next? Good question. I shouldn't have put all the news away. <laughs> Hang on. Let me just open up the news drawer. Filing cabinet of news. Deirdre, where's the news? <laughs> She's the um, she's the filing clerk. <laughs> she's our receptionist. Um, okay, so that we all talked about last time. AMC have gone to war with Universal. Well, not just AMC anymore, but now Cineworld and Odeon have started chiming in. Uh, okay, with so yeah, talk Universal about this. over. So Universal have basically announced that they're going to be looking to um, simultaneously release movies uh, in the future. Uh, day and day across streaming platforms and also in cinemas Mm. Um, due to the success of Trolls World Tour which did really big numbers considering you know the entire face of cinema had shifted at that point and had outperformed some some of the more conservative estimates about where that was going to do Trolls 1 from what I understand Uh, outperformed the opening weekend of Trolls 1 uh, opening week of of Trolls 1 in its first week I think it was um, due to the fact that it was available around the world simultaneously because I think that's something that isn't taken into account when they're doing those Mm -hmm. sort of headlines is I think the first Trolls was uh, staggered. Yeah. Whereas it was available pretty much worldwide immediately. And there are a lot of parents trying to entertain their children. Yeah, and this is the thing, is that, and we've talked about it before, and, you know, there are some, you know, and just before the lockdown hit, I'd watched Colour Out of Space on, um, on Amazon Prime and, you know, rented that for, I think that was like four four forty nine or something mm-hmm. like that. It was cheap. But even if you're paying nineteen ninety nine, we've talked about this before. 
if you're going to the cinema and there's two of you, let alone, you know, if you're going to the cinema and there's a family of you, think about that. You're paying for two adults, maybe. You're paying for two or three kids, maybe. You know, maybe it's one adult, one Mm -hmm. kid. But you're still paying probably £15 for a set of tickets plus whatever you eat and drink there. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm someone who believes in the cinematic experience. I think there is something that is to be said for the theatrical experience. Yeah. It is not the only way to go with it. And we've seen filmmakers before release things simultaneously on all platforms. Mm -hmm. And it work because there are people who will never go to the cinema and they want to still see that stuff. And, you know, even to the point where you look at some of Universal's franchises and you think, okay, so you've got, you know, the Jurassic World stuff and you've got the Fast and Furious stuff. Is there a world conceivably where they release those simultaneously and they bring in you know maybe they don't do the business that they did Mm -hmm. opening weekend last time they released just in theaters but if you take into account the fact that more people are able to watch it at home and have that experience it's actually a weirdly it's it feels like it's a cost-effective way for families to experience movies they might mm-hmm. not get to experience because they are financially restricted. Absolutely. So is that something that we should be getting behind more and saying, well, this is actually a good idea? And, you know, Universal, okay, fine, they're in a position where they can take those risks anyway. Yeah. But also it's like, okay, so you don't release it cinematic. you only release it cinematically and you don't release it on DVD for five months. So what's going to happen is there's going to be a a stream of it, a a leaked stream of it within 10 hours of it Mm -hmm. opening. And then that is going to be the thing that people watch on at home if they want to watch it. Yeah, which is a shoddy copy through, you know, isn't what they one of the one of the streaming apps or um, torrent sites. So it benefits the studio financially to have a legal copy out there. So what has this led to? Well, it's led to AMC movie theatres basically saying, well, we're not going to show any Universal movies. We're not going to carry any Universal mm-hmm. movies because you're damaging us as a industry. Uh, the North American uh, theatre uh, owners organisation uh, basically got involved and said, well, you know, we also believe that this is going to potentially damage... A lot of the, a lot of the experience and a lot of the industry, and contrary to this, you then have Christopher Nolan who is plumbing for Tenet to be the first thing to be released um, in cinemas Mm -hmm. post lockdown, and is refusing to let it get delayed because he wants to be the only thing out there leading the charge. (laughs) This is the side of Christopher Nolan that is objectionable at at best, I think. Yeah, because you know. It'll take as long as it takes. Yeah, and I get the, I get the positives um, of wanting to have a film out there where nothing else is coming out. Mm-hmm. And I get the fact you want people to see this on the biggest screen they can. Yes, and in IMAX, and, preferably, because you know, you're a proponent of that. For me, if I get a chance to see a Nolan film, I want to see it on the big screen. That's yeah. where I first want to see that film. So I completely get that, but at the same time, being belligerent about it and going... This has to come out on this tight this time. Yeah, actually, it doesn't benefit anyone. And I think there's there's just got to be that conversation of 
by setting a date of 17th of July, I think it is, mm-hmm. by setting that date and saying, well, that's what we want to do. We want to release it then because Mulan's coming out the week after and we want to be the first thing back in the cinemas. No, no, no. You you don't understand. It's You take as long as it takes. And Warner Brothers have pushed every other movie mm-hmm. back. And uh, this has basically been confirmed that Christopher Nolan is the one pushing for... Yeah. I want to have that date and I want the movie theatres to be back open by that point because I want to be the thing that reboots cinema. So yeah, basically, so the whole the whole issue is is that studios are now realising that there is actually money to be made from a home release as well as a theatre release and the theatre owners are not happy about that. And I think you're absolutely right where you say there is an audience there for both because there's there a lot will of always, who don't go to the cinema. There will always be people who will prefer to see it cinematically regardless of what film it is. Yeah. And there are people who will always see certain films cinematically and certain films at home. And there are certain people who will never see a film in the cinema. They will be... Mm-hmm. And they're still film fans. They're just seeing them on the small screen. They're just yeah. seeing them at home because that's the way they choose to do it. So there's no right or wrong answer. There's no good or bad guys because essentially I appreciate the studios are more financially secure than Mm. say a small independent cinema might be but the people who love those independent cinemas will continue to go to those independent cinemas for instance the broadway in town here i see a lot of films there yeah i will still go and see those films there mainly because there is no one else offering me the opportunity to see those on the big screen in the region Mm -hmm. like that is it locally so if that is my only choice, it helps that it's a fantastic cinema and I really like it. Hmm. But I will always go and see those films there because that's the only place that they're going to be. And thankfully, the kind of films, that the, the sort of smaller stuff, they're still being released now. It's just they're going straight to those streaming services. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything bad about that. And I think it's, it's still allowing them to come out. So I think that's kind of useful. So currently it's kind of at a stalemate. It'll be interesting to see kind of whether Universal do push ahead with this or whether the threat of kind of a fear to cut off puts them back and whether any of those other big studios do also kind of go, actually, yeah, this is the way we're going to go. Yeah. And look, again, it's that thing of everything will take as long as it takes. There's no point in saying, you know, oh, well, we're definitely doing this because this is going to be the Mm -hmm. way forward. It's a wait-and-see game at this point. We need to work out where we are when this comes, you know, when this lockdown stuff ends. Because I, you know, I think we're being very optimistic with the 17th of July being the Mm -hmm. date that the first movie then gets re-released in cinemas. You know, I think we should be looking at September, October, November time. But, who knows? The other argument is is whether there's going to be an appetite to go to the cinema at that point, because... There's people doing anonymous polls at the moment. Um, mm. I saw on Twitter from a very high-profile person, which was like pure anonymous, and it was about football stadiums. Basically, being like, if they open football stadiums now, would you go? And eighty percent of people went no. No, yeah, and look, I think, I think there'll always be that. It'll take. I think it will take years to get back to where mm-hmm. we were. But you know what happens on the way is going to have to be worked out between each individual company yeah. and each individual uh, theatre chain. There's there's no way of saying, well, this is going to be the catch-all and this is how we're going to do it going forward. 
each thing will operate in its own way. There's mm-hmm. no there's no unifying form that will say, well, we're going to do it exactly like this because this is the way it needs to be done. Um, so leading on from that, uh, Oscars eligibility yes. uh, this year will up. include uh, films that have gone directly to streaming. Which absolutely makes sense. Because it is impossible to release a film in Los Angeles at the moment. Mm-hmm. But it also means that maybe... Like some of those low key Netflix originals will be like, hey, we're eligible now, let's get in there. Well, it's upsetting because it means that Doolittle will not win Best Actor <laughs> because now other things are eligible. But like uh, things like, um, do you remember that A Haunted House, the Marlon Wayans film? Oh, yeah. Um, like things like that would be eligible this year. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, so what I'm thinking is, like, maybe some of these. Like, so, if Marlon Wayans has got another film coming out this year, which he must do because he's got a, a deal with Netflix. Well, it's Marlon Wayans, so he's always got something on the go. I can't remember if he's already had what his thing out for the year. I don't think so. He did that naked film that was a couple of where years he woke ago. up in an elevator. Yeah. Was that last year, year before? Um, anyway, so that's good. Because it means that that will continue to produce eligible films and everything, and that's fine. Um, you sent me a thing. Now you see me three in the works. You're a huge fan of like, the Now Me Now You See Me series. I I think they're dumb fun, and I like them. Yeah, and I think that anything to do with magic is dumb. Well, you hate magic. That's magic is for suckers and nerds. And uh, I... last time I checked, you're both of those. <laughs> I am both. I love magic. Yeah, I know. Like, do you remember that day where I sat and made you watch um, a load of the, what was it, the masked magician? The magician. Magician secret or whatever. The yeah. guy who basically did all the mixed magic because went, this is how they were done. Yeah. And then afterwards I watched an hour long thing of the best David Copperfield tricks. <laughs> Once again, nerds and suckers. Um, no, I love magic. And I think the thing about Now You See Me is it's, all a load of nonsense. Like the whole film is a load of nonsense. Yeah, I've seen some of Now You See There's Me. There's a great too. rant by Dan Harmon about Now You See Me. If you mm-hmm. go on YouTube and search it up, um, about him just being like, this whole thing is nonsense. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I kind of enjoy them and it's kind of, it absolutely is switch your brain off enjoyment. So I don't mind the fact that they're making a third mm. one. Like, Which star is going to refuse to come back wh- for the third installment? Because <laughs> we've already had Isla Fisher drop out. Yeah, and she was out of the second. It's a case of it's probably going to be mostly a new cast mm. with the opportunity for new baby. For now old you see me. <laughs> it's going to be like now you see me, Muppet babies. <laughs> but like, give the opportunity for the original cast to come back. So okay. yeah, I'm cool with this. Like, uh, did the Gruffalo return for the second one? Or was he only in the first? <laughs> oh, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> um, I think he was only in the first. Yeah, I mean. He's a proper serious actor, right? <laughs> but then again, Woody Harrelson's been in both. Yes, he has. Yeah, but but Woody Harrelson was also in Zombieland too. Zombieland so. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's also going to be in Venom. Let there be carnage. Um, Transformers animated prequel in development with to- Toy Story Four director. I just read the headline there. Um, okay, I'll be honest. What I did is I just threw a load of stuff in. Is that an animated show. film or an yes, animated it's, TV it's series? An animated film. Okay. Um, basically set in the same universe. Mm. So from what I understand, it's in the same like Bumblebee universe and all that kind of stuff. Yes. But it's an animated version, which realistically is probably the best way to do it. Mm. Because it's going to be, if it's set in as a prequel, so it's all about how the Transformers came to be, yeah. how the Decepticons and the Autobots 
four out of each of them and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's all going to be CGI anyway. So mm-hmm. why not, with the success of Spider-Verse mm. and how well that did, go, actually, why don't we kind of spread our creative wings here and do something a little bit different that isn't just CGI robots punching each other. Let's do something a bit more interesting. And actually, But it is mainly CGI robots probably punching yeah, well, it's each gonna other. Be, well, it's going to be animated. And with animation, we've proven now you can do interesting things with it. Mm. What the worry will be is that it'll just be a knockoff Spider-Verse. Like, they'll try and replicate that kind of style. They'll have Spider Prime. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, kind of... Because the problem is we all know that movie studios learn the wrong lessons from successful things. Mm. So they'll go, oh, it's that I mean, animation. look at Pirates story. of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Pirates of the Caribbean gave us stuff like Haunted Mansion. Greatest film of all time. I <laughs> because know. Went, like oh. Terrence Stamp's best work. Because people went, oh, the thing about Pirates of the Caribbean is it was based on a writer. It has to be that mm-hmm. kind of thing now. You know, it's Deadpool successful. People go, oh, now everything has to be R-rated. Mm. It's But how right we were on that one. <laughs> you know, the R-rated uh, My Little Pony reboot was just <laughs> chef's kiss emoji. Um, so, yeah, I think you could do something really interesting. Okay. And obviously the most beloved Transformers film is an animated version, so... Bumblebee, <laughs> the one with um, Orson Welles, where he died, where he Oppenheim didn't dies. Well, yeah, I was going to say Orson Welles didn't die during the <laughs> shooting. Um, okay, so that might be fun. Potentially, I mean, it's interesting. I can't be asked, but I'll I'll let you see that one. That'll be fun for you. Um, you're telling me about Taika Waititi as well. Uh, Taika Waititi has been signed up to do a Star Wars movie. Hang on, Screen Rant's trying to make it my homepage, and I do not want that. <laughs> so Taika Waititi is going to be um, directing, is that the word yes. I was directing a Star a Wars, new Star film, Wars movie, um, written by the one, one of the writers of 1917. It's Christy. I'm trying to look through the thing here. Give me a second. Her name is Christy something. Mm-hmm. But she was. The co-writer of 1917, Oscar-nominated. Wilson Cairns. Um, and they're going to be doing a Star Wars movie together while the writer of Russian Doll, mm-hmm. um, the Netflix series, which was quite well-received, yes, um, is going to be doing a Star Wars series. So they've yes. mentioned these today. Um, the interesting thing about the YTT stuff is that he actually denied it mm. a little while ago, saying, oh, no, I'm not doing it with Star Wars. Yeah, And now he's like... Yeah, it actually is, but it's because he's owned by Disney now. Well, also, like I think what they're doing is they're going to look at what he did for four. Mm. Um, you know, he's he's an Oscar winner himself now, mm. um, and actually, let, if they let him just play around with that universe, give him something to play around with. Don't give him, don't link it into anything we've seen before. Just go, okay, pick whatever part of this universe you want to play in. Mm. And go with it. I think you could do something really interesting. With Dexter Jetster, yeah. If he does decide to do Dexter Jetster. A Jet day in the life of the diner. Then oh. yeah, sure. Like I, I like Titus Boutisi. I didn't really like Jojo Rabbit. But I like a lot of what he does. The least deserving Oscar winner of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's soon to be a double Oscar winner for The Suicide Squad. <laughs> Best supporting actor. Yeah. I think. Well, actually, That's my hot tip. I've not even seen the film yet, and I know that he's going to be... He's getting non- that for Free Guy? Is it, is it I don't know guy? if he's in Free Guy. The Ryan Reynolds film, yeah. Hey, man, if you say so, that's going straight to DVD, isn't it? So it's well, fine. Well, he's in it, so... It's cool. He'll he'll be uh, he'll be nominated next year. Hang on. So he's going to win an Oscar three years in a row. Wow. <laughs> once for writing, once for acting? Is he in acting in Free Guy? Yeah, yeah. 
And once for, I don't know, maybe he did the hair and makeup for Suicide Squad. <laughs> Who knows? It'll win its second one for, su- for hair and makeup. Um, you also told me, oh no, you told me about her, yes, yeah, so, so the, um, what's it called? Leslie Headland is the yes. one from he is doing Russian Doll. Yeah, Sorry, she's doing I, I wanted to say Orphan Black for a second there, and I was like, no, it's the other thing that I know from the internet. Wasn't well, Joss Whedon did Orphan Black, or was, no? I don't know. No, he did Alias. Um, but yeah, she's... Is the, Alias Orphan Black? No. I've not watched Orphan Black. I know it's about androids. Alias is Dushku. No. Is it not? I thought it was Jennifer Garner. Which one am I thinking of? <laughs> You're thinking of Dollhouse. Oh, yeah. That is Joss Whedon? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're down question, rabbit question, hole. Question for everyone who listens. <laughs> Why? Because we've just proved... <laughs> With the last 25 <laughs> seconds there, that we are probably the worst people ever to have done this. Like, if if this was our audition tape for, oh, oh well, let's try and make this a career. It's just us naming different our, series. Our career would be over before it started. I would argue it just, is over With one question of, is this Joss Whedon? Yes. Um, he did one of them. He did one of those three. Okay. I also think Dollhouse isn't the one we're thinking of. Because that's a more recent Dushku. Yeah. Are you thinking it's like a... Are you thinking of True Calling? It doesn't matter. (laughs) Is True Calling what she was in? Um, I'm I'm sorry, but you think I'm going to be able to let this go and just get on with the podcast? (laughs) Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. No way. Right, Dushku. What have you in? She was... In... Bring it on. That's what you're thinking yeah. of. Hang on. Oh, no, it's... All right. Answers on a postcard next week, because I'm not going to try and navigate one-handed. Do you have any okay. more news? Um, I don't know. Is there? Well, does the Nicolas Cage being apparently like, literally breaking news, really, for today? Wow. Is breaking. He, he, he was cast, apparently, as Joe Exotic in a Joe Exotic TV series they're making. Mm. Um, is it he's cast or is he, is he he's in talks? Apparently he's been cast. Okay, from what people are saying. So the article I saw was from Variety. Um, I'm not going on that because Variety also tried to make itself my homepage. Basically, they're saying that it's going to be a story of how Joe Exotic um, became enveloped by that character mm. and his life is torn apart by a character of his own creation. Mm. And Nicholas Cage will be playing the lead. Um, I said to you, I don't really see the need for this because yes. if you watch the documentary that is what that documentary does it mm-hmm. tells you that story it, it's very clear mm. that everyone's opinion whether that documentary is skewed to alienate or villainize certain people yeah one of the things you cannot deny is whether joe exotic became obsessed with the idea of celebrity and obsessed with this character joe exotic he created yes no, nobody can deny that that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So, what does a series give us that that documentary didn't? Mm. It seems to me it's almost like riding on the coattails of something that is popular right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, people are going to get excited by this and be like, "Oh, great!" But I think it's actually not going to be anything fresh. Mm. I don't think you're going to get anything new that you didn't already have. So, mm-hmm. I don't understand what the purpose of it is now, but- apart from just being. A hype. What about the Carol Baskin project that was announced last year? 
So this is one you just... So Kate McKinnon, uh, this was announced in 2019 that Kate McKinnon was playing Carol Baskin in a uh, another scripted TV series based on the events or <laughs> the events and the events surrounding the sort of action of the series. But obviously this was before the docs ever yeah. debuted. So it was a case of the story was and out there already. do you think people are kicking themselves now that they didn't get that series together now beforehand? Or maybe it just wouldn't have hit. Because I think Tiger King is an absolute... Um, it's a result of its timing mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah. Like, even if you'd got that series out and you'd got it out a month or two ago, say you got it end of last year, it wouldn't... Yes, it's crazy, but yeah. it wouldn't have hit the same way Tiger King had yeah. because it we've, hit in I a think way. we've said that before on the pod, haven't we? That yeah. It just feels like it is the perfect storm of... Well, what else are you gonna do? It's with a your product time? of its time, and the answer is not watch it, mate. And I don't. That's think... what I did. <laughs> and the, and, the thing is, and now it's more a matter of principle that I will not watch it <laughs> to spite myself. It's. I just don't understand why you would go move forward with that series now. Like maybe in a couple of years' time, if you want to hit on that nostalgia of hey, remember when we all watched Tiger King? Mm, maybe it's got a true confession though. Maybe, maybe they've got much like Usher. These are my confessions. I killed my husband. <laughs> but yeah, um, but no, I think that's all the news we've got. Cool. It's only taken us 40 minutes. Woo! <laughs> um, you have got Giddy for Ghibli. Should we start there? I think that's where we normally start. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, okay, Giddy for Ghibli, guys. Um, I hope because you're... everything's technically I don't want your future this week. Yes. Um, I hope you all did your homework. Um, I didn't put a tweet out because I expected. I was going to say I didn't think up. you put a tweet out, but okay, fine. Um, Tell me. So this week, guys, we all watched every single one of us watched the film known as Pon Poco. Uh huh. Those people who don't know what Pon Poco is, mm. it's the story of a load of raccoons. Yeah. And the forest is being infiltrated for a commercial project where a load of land is being taken over. So build mm. um, timely. Yeah, so, you know, mm. houses have been built there as a housing project. And these raccoons can transform into all kinds of things because that's what raccoons can do. And they... It's a well-known fact. It's, an, it's a known fact. The and they're very clear can... about this, but it's a known fact mm-hmm. that raccoons, foxes, yeah. and some other creatures can transform, some of them into humans. Yeah. Um, How else are you going to infiltrate society? To try and stop this work going on to save mm. the forest. Yeah. So it's Fern Gully meets Transformers. But before Fern Gully and before Transformers. Um maybe. I don't even know if the dates line <laughs> up. Um I think it's ninety four. Before Fern I Gully, think. I think. Um so yeah, that's the kind of story and it's also it's Fern Gully, this... there was one good bit and that's it. <laughs> that rap? Mm, oh no. No, I'm thinking, uh, I think the opening scene of Fern Gully is maybe it's one of the greatest basic, moments of cinema. For people who maybe haven't seen Fern Gully, you've seen Avatar. Mm. Imagine all the Na'vi are raccoons, and it's all Wait, hang animated. on, you mean Pompoko? No, no, Pompoko is Avatar yeah. if all the Na'vi were raccoons. Yes, but you said, for those of you who haven't seen Fern Gully, yeah, yeah. it's... Yeah, but Avatar, but with... I was there like, how do I make a, how do I make a comparison? Okay, fine. Talk about Pompoco instead, because all <laughs> I was going to say about Fern Gully is like, I think the first scene is good, and then all the rest of the film is nonsense. So yeah, so that's your plot, really, and it's these raccoons, and it's 
it's told in a narrative style where it's just a guy saying the thing people know about raccoons is that they live in forests and they go to war. Yeah, it's um, two famous things. They live in forests and they go to war. You knew those things going into the film. That is not a revelation. This film... Because mm-hmm. I confidently last right. week predicted that you would not like this film. It's one of those classic Ghibli's yeah. where it has an idea and genuinely after 40 minutes I was like, Load up are we done guns yet? And shoot him. <laughs> I was like... Can I turn this one off? Like, there was genuine points mm. where I was like, can I turn this one off? Like, this is the one where I went, hmm, yeah, I get. And yet he likes the sexist pig, Porco <laughs> Rosso. Guys. The thing is. Is Andy the worst person to have ever what, watched a Studio Ghibli film? Maybe. Like, there's, right, there's some really great animation when they turn okay. from raccoons into different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it gets, like, real Ghibli-esque kind of creature design and stuff like that. Yeah. That's nice, but it's so limited. Mm. And there's so much of just the older raccoons went and sat down and they discussed, hey, what's going on? We should kill the humans. Oh, we shouldn't kill the humans, though. And, like, this is large swathes of this film is just, mm. here's some raccoons. Raccoons are known for partying. You told me that the last four times they partied. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so repetitive as a film mm. to the point where I'm like, I can't be bothered with this one. Mm-hmm. Like, this this one... Okay, it's no Tales from Earthsea, because Tales from Earthsea is just... It's something else. Like, Tales from Earthsea is dull. Yeah. It's... This one at least has some moments where I went... Like, there's, there's a big parade in it. Mm-hmm. Like, a spirit parade. And that's really nice to look at. Mm-hmm. But then it goes back to... The raccoons thought they'd done everything they could... So they went and partied, as raccoons are known to do. And I'm like, nobody knows this about raccoons. Like, you know, no raccoons. <laughs> like, I, I literally Googled partway through, like, transforming raccoons, just to see whether or not I've never heard the tales of transforming raccoons. Mm. And there is a thing in, in like, Japanese culture of, yeah. um, they're called something or others. I looked it up. Um, they're like um, raccoon dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a point near the end, right? Yeah. Where something happens... And to a load of raccoons. And I genuinely just went, where did that come from? Uh-huh. Like, I don't know whether they, I just zoned out and missed the bit where I went, and these raccoons decided to do this. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, I, I don't know why they're going there. Yeah. What's happening here? Yeah. And I don't know whether I missed that or whether the film just goes... Well, when you fast-forwarded through 35 <laughs> minutes, you probably missed some was, key there stuff. There was genuinely a point where I was like, mm-hmm. I could just skip... Because I was like, I can't just stop But you honour the segment because you respect it. I was like, I can't just stop watching. Because, because you think... If that, you go on Netflix... You know, these filmmakers see. deserve your time and attention rather than <laughs> being this fucking ungrateful whelp that you are. I was like, I can't just go fucking on... Porco Rosso isn't great. If you go great. on Netflix, you'll see if it is partially watched. You'll be like, oh, I saw that you didn't finish it. I was uh-huh. like... I could just skip towards the end. Yeah. Like, then... if we didn't share a Netflix account, yeah. you would literally a, a not have watched the film. <laughs> You'd have watched five minutes and then skipped to the last five minutes and gone, I get it. Uh, so, my confident prediction that you would not like this film came true. It's true-ish. a whole load of nonsense. Like, this one, this one is I think, nonsense. I think feel. you don't open yourself up to enough joy. Like, the thing is, I get right. So, people are going to say to me, 
Oh, the reason this people is won't is because, uh, look. Is because stop trying to make so, out that people care enough about this segment. <laughs> the only person who cares about this segment is well, me. And sometimes I, Rory Spence will tweet at us so, saying that he's done his homework. I had a couple of people turn around to message me and go, "Oh, mm-hmm. you reviewed House of Beef and Castle? That's one of my favourites." Yeah. And then I had one of those people say to me, "So what are you doing this week?" I was like, "Oh, Pompoka." They went. Oh, is that the raccoon one? I really love that film. Mm. I don't think they're going to like the fact that I don't like it. And I no, clearly, because they love that film. And you, I think, said, <laughs> I wanted to turn it off multiple times in your review. I understand, right. But people are going to say, like, when you turned around to me and told me off mm. that I didn't like one of the other ones. Um, I it's, think it was, it's not that you don't like I think it's Ponyo, Totoro. I think it's Ponyo, but you, you upset Okay, me. it's <laughs> not that you don't like it. It's the fact that you think that Porco Rosso is the best one you've right. watched. No, it isn't. Fine. It's Second Spirited best. Away and then Porco Rosso, which is astounding. <laughs> but, right. That is, you know, so, hot takes. <laughs> that is the hottest of all takes. Some crispy old bacon on Porco Rosso right there because of how hot that take is. I understand mean, the point of this film is all about kind of nature's mm. um linking with man and kind of what what the role of man is in nature and kind of how, how to we live should... in harmony yes exactly mm. and i get that mm. but you didn't like it but and it's... what you liked and said was a sexist fighter pilot pig <laughs> it's not sexist it's chauvinistic mm, okay fine it's a it's a very fine distinction <laughs> fine to be drawing line. but neither of them are what you want him to We're be balancing on the which is hair. <laughs> Okay, so your homework for next week. I think that's enough because otherwise you're going to annoy the raccoon <laughs> listeners. Um, oh, I do not recommend. Um, what was this film even called? Pompoke. Oh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit him like, after this know, podcast. You know right. Look, I understand some of your quibbles so, with it. Before, but at the I, same time, I think you need to open yourself up to more joy. Before because, I started watching it, yes, you turned to me and said, "I want you to go into this not knowing anything." So I purposely didn't look up anything about it. Yeah, I didn't want you to know all, that there were raccoons. In all it. I saw was. Oh, <laughs> I saw it as I was flicking past on Netflix. I saw a brief clip. Okay. I skipped off it after like two seconds. Mm-hmm. And I saw a raccoon with a stick. And I got really excited. But this is going to be Ghibli's version of Kung Fu Panda. Mm-hmm. And it was not that. It's kind of that, though, when you think about but it. But it's not. It's, if you think about the... Because the theme of Kung Fu Panda was Jack Black turns into a panda oh. in order to preserve a forest. Although, importantly, guys, because- um, there is some heavy raccoon fucking in this. <laughs> the happens. thing is, it's been... And, and all the raccoons, you can see they've all got balls. <laughs> That's important to know. I don't know. It must have been like six years since I've seen this movie, maybe. And there's a lot of raccoon balls. I need to go back and rewatch it because that's that's hot. <laughs> uh, okay, so you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna make your homework, the homework that one of our listeners has been waiting for all this yeah. time. It is on Netflix, right? Which one? Princess Mononoke. Yes. Okay, right. So that's your that's your homework for next week, okay? And the problem is, is that I know that you're already you're already I know that you're gonna like it more than you like Pompoko because it seems like you're you're putting Pompoko up for worst film of the year. Second worst Ghibli for me. This is, this is which is great news for Totoro fans because that one just got bumped up another level. Yeah, yeah, but it's astounding for anyone who likes Studio Ghibli because it means that Porco Rosso is still second best. Yes. When you have watched, I would say, four films better than Porco Rosso that are below it currently in the rankings. <laughs> to me, it is astounding. I know to you, this is the natural order. And when we when we get the final league table, after you've watched every single Studio Ghibli film, yeah. I am going to probably have to quit the podcast when I realise just how many films Porco Rosso beats. 
Um, <laughs> Should we get on to I don't want your future? Jack? I guess so. So, yeah, this is like, I don't want your future is going to be the only, oh, no. <laughs> the only, oh, no, he's had a heart attack. He's, he, something just happened there. Uh, it's just chest, like heartburn from my coffee from an hour ago. So I don't know if that's good. Uh, oh, dear. You're it's okay, it's okay guys. <laughs> At least wait till most of the way into the podcast to yawn this week. Maybe it's because I'm. We, uh, we, we, so last week and this week we've recorded them after I've done a full day at work. That is true. And admittedly, work is approximately two feet away from my bed, so <laughs> um, that's not you know <laughs> that's not good <laughs> that I'm this time. No, because I've been up since ages. I've been up since four o'clock this morning. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So I don't want your future is basically... It's going to be the only review section this week, other than what you've just listened to, that fucking horse shit that he's spouting about. <laughs> Beautiful, adorable, Pompoko. Uh, it looks pretty. Encouraging people to live in harmony with nature and not be fucking trash pigs. Talk about trash pigs. What about that Porco Rosso? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't want your future. What should we start with? Um, I'll start with my thing. Yep. Uh, okay, so I got Shudder this week. Mm. Um... So Shudder is. is a streaming service that is available in the US, Canada, the UK, and mm, I think one other place, and I can't mm-hmm. remember where it is. Maybe Ireland, Yeah, I think. Um, so it is powered by the coins behind AMC. Um, so it's a horror and sort of sci-fi and thriller-based uh, streaming service. It's got a bunch of original exclusive stuff and a bunch of sort of classic movies mm-hmm. and lesser-known... A lot of short films on there. Okay. Uh, fun fact for you, I found out where they get most of their ideas for a certain internet uh, YouTube channel's uh, <laughs> horror movie shorts uh, <laughs> lists. Anyway, so that's not important. No. What is important is... Um, I've watched a couple of their originals this week. Uh, so, Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror. That's the subtitle I was looking for earlier, where I absolutely just floundered. Um, this is a so this is a documentary. Um, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a documentary. Yeah, Call it what it is. A sort of talking heads documentary about um, the relationship between horror movies and black culture and black people and yes. what it has meant to them and what sort of what the lasting effects are and the ways in which portrayals have been put apart, put across in both negative and positive ways mm-hmm. uh, so this is actually based on or it sprung out of a book of the same name um and then the author also is featured heavily within the within the movie uh, so it goes right from Birth of a Nation right through to things like Get Out and mm-hmm. and talks about the history there. And it's really interesting because it is a it's a movie that really does make you think about what you are watching and, and what the experience must be for people who aren't represented that yeah. well in films. And we've talked about the idea of um, of poor representation before and the fact that, you know, how refreshing it is to have, you know, Jordan Peele being the first black winner of the best uh, original screenplay Oscar. Yes. You know, and he did it with a horror movie about how awful it is <laughs> to have to live in a world where you have to be afraid of everything around mm-hmm. you. 
or that you feel that you are. And it feels like, okay, well, that's a step forward. But you forget that there's a hundred years before that yeah, that have just been pretty unfair and unkind towards representation in horror movies. And it's that, you know, the stereotypical thing of the 1980s, they even go into it and say, you know, the black character dies first, and whenever you see them on screen, you know that that's tropes. what's going to happen. And and the tropes become so ingrained within you that you just you're and and that's what made Get Out bizarre. Yeah, was that this is your protagonist and he survives to the end. So I saw about twenty thirty minutes of this. I no, I think you saw more than that. Did I? Um, I think you probably saw about two thirds of it. And it's really interesting, and like, so there's there's a certain line in it that really kind of mm. resonates, kind of what the whole thing is about and for for me, which is one of the kind of contributor contributors says, um, "You don't understand what it's like to have an entire history of cinema where there is nobody like you on screen, yeah. and as soon as there is, you're like, I feel seen, yeah, and." That's kind of how it felt to me. Like that's kind of when you heard people talking about what it was and why, why this is so important and why these characters, so these characters you might never have heard of, mm. are so important and so ingrained in this community. Yeah, is because it let people feel like they were part of what was a massive industry. Yeah, and the the contributors range from sort of people who have been involved as writers, screenwriters, directors, filmmakers, uh, and then actors within those films. Um, you know, and it, it's, char- you know, actors who've played a small part in a Friday the 13th installment or a small part in a Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. installment, but talking about the fact that once they were in that movie, they get recognised because they're the girl from yeah. this particular movie. And it's like, oh, that's what this is for. And and I'd seen a couple of adverts, like, I'd seen the trailer for this a couple of times, and I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is one of the reasons that I got Shudder, because I was like, oh, this this really works mm-hmm. as a concept for me. And I think it's I think it's really interesting. Um I would say if you've got Shudder, then there's no reason for you not to watch it. Mm-hmm. It's it's worth a watch. I think it's about an hour and twenty five minutes long or something like that. It's not it's not a particularly long documentary, but it's really interesting nonetheless. Uh and if you don't have Shudder, there is a free trial going on at the moment. So uh, if you I think it's a thirty day free trial you can get. So it might be worth having a look at it and going all right, I'll sign up for the 30-day. And if there's stuff on there that you're finding interesting, just keep it going because yeah. it's it's actually, it looks like it's going to be a really good source of stuff for me. And there's a lot of newer stuff on there that I haven't seen, stuff that didn't get cinematic releases but got, you know, um, digital instead mm. and some interesting stuff. But yeah, um, Horror Noir, I think I would recommend because it's, you know, interesting interesting to a degree where I'm like, I know a lot more than I did before, yeah. and I thought I knew enough going in. And it's about a subsection of horror that maybe you is weren't. underrepresented. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I watched on Shudder this week is Creepshow. So this is the revival of. So in the eighties, there were two movies: Creepshow, Creepshow Two, um, which were brought to you from George A. Romero and Stephen King uh, anthology horror movies that basically treaded the line between campy and sort of gore fests. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is... Is it Creepshow, sorry, that has the Crypt Keeper? You're thinking of Tales from the Crypt, but it, it, pretty analogous to that. So 
the the three that were really around was Tales from the Crypt, um, Creep Show, and what am I thinking of? Blondie was in an episode in a not in an episode, was it but in a the John Wal- Tales from the Dark Side, something John like Walters. that. Was it John Waters? Um, it's not it. Tales from the Dark Side. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, um, but yeah. So Crypt Keeper, who you're thinking of? Yes. Now there is the creep in Creep Show, who is I would say thematically very similar. Mm-hmm. Is a sort of skeleton type monster who presents these things. So. This is executive produced and developed by Greg Nicotero, who is one of the producers of The Walking Dead mm-hmm. and did all of the special makeup effects for that. He's a big practical effects guy. He's been working for decades now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and has a love for Creepshow. Uh, visited the set when he was a teenager and very much this is his sort of genre that he loves. Um and so it's six episodes long, two stories per episode, and the episodes run roughly about 45 minutes, I'd say. I think mm. it's 40 to 50 minutes each, um, which is good because it means that you can make the stories as long as they need to be rather than as long as they have to be. Yeah. Um, so it allows for some degree of sort of tailoring it that way. Um, similar to similar to Twilight Zone, peaks and troughs. Mm-hmm. The peaks are better than the peaks in Twilight Zone. The troughs are probably not as bad as the troughs in Twilight Zone. Um, and again, it's that thing of because it's such a because it's a mixed bag. It means that you're never quite sure whether the episode is going to be for you or not, mm-hmm. or whether just one half of the episode is going to be for you and the other half isn't. And there's a couple of those episodes in there. By and large, I'd say that it gets the job done in terms of what it's aiming to do. I think it's, you know, there for for a relatively low budget sort of web series, there are some good effects in it. You can tell that Greg Nicotero is involved in some capacity because. You can tell the attention to detail on some of the car- on the monster models and stuff like that is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, some uh, so it's it's a combination. Some of them are based on or adapted from short stories from authors like Stephen King and Joe Hill, uh, and then there's some original stories in there as well. And I think you know it probably evens out to being fifty percent work, fifty percent don't yeah. work. And really, is that I think when you when you're looking at an anthology TV series, that's possibly the best you can hope for. The benefit it has over Twilight Zone is that because you've got two episode, two stories per episode. If one's bad, the other one might be good. Yeah, you don't have to endure forty five minutes of yeah. a bad episode. You you might get a you know a stinger that works for you, or you might get a lead in that works, and then the tail off is not so good. Um, so I would say for anyone who's got a, an affinity for the original. Creepshow's movies and who's got an affinity for sort of horror that treads the line between being camp and, you know, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, is confident in its own abilities to be both shit and good at the same time sometimes. Uh, There'll be at least a couple of stories in here. Mm -hmm. It's got a second series. um, I guess that's going to be 2021 at this point. Um, But it kind of works to a point and... You know, if if you've got that particular itch, it will scratch that itch. Then that'll do, pig. Yeah, 
Yeah, I wouldn't say run out and watch it as soon as, but I'd say it's decent enough that if you're in the if you're in the market for that, I don't know what else is out there <laughs> yeah. that fills that particular niche. So yeah, fine, go for it. Um, last thing, yeah, yeah. Let's talk long old episode. Let's talk too much bad boys for life. A lot of chat. fun. Too much fun this episode. We had a great time. Okay, um, so bad boys for life. So I watch this. It's top grossing film on, of twenty twenty, and it's recently come on home video. So mm. it's been released on DVD, Blu Ray to download. Um, so I thought I'd catch up with it. So bad boys for life is the it's the latest the uh, threequel, yeah, of that story. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are back um, as Mike and Marcus, who are two fun-loving cops. Mm. Um, Marcus is getting to the end of his time. So they've always been in through the end. They're bad boys, going to the end. Um, Marcus is very much going, this is the end. Like mm. I'm very much, I want to settle down. His daughter's just had a baby. Um, so he's now a granddad, and he wants to kind of look at I'm sorry, retiring. a granddad, but he's still a bad boy. And Correct Will me Smith, if I'm wrong. Oh, he's absolutely a bad boy. Uh, does he maintain his bad boy status? Mm, or he is he grandpa? To, he wants to retire. Um, Has he got a Werther's original when he's doing badass stuff? There's a, there's a point where he's in a dressing gown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've seen incense. that in the trailer. And he's got a lazy boy chair or yes. something. And yeah. Will Smith's character of Mike, he's very much... He's the easy the opposite he's for nothing he doesn't want to settle down he wants to just be a cop he wants to solve crime until the end like he says oh, i want to be a hundred and still fighting criminals um and it's very much that's the kind of what we had from the last two films and now we're at a point where they've always been these crime fighters and this is a point where actually is there a difference in these characters you know martin lawrence was always the guy who kind of didn't want to be as mm. fourth but he's always there for his boy does um, something drag him back in just when he thinks he's out? So the film basically revolves around something from Mike's past dragging him into a case deeper than he's ever been before. And is Marcus going to just let him go on his own or is he actually going to be there to support him? Um, and there is genuine moments where you go, I completely understand why Marcus is stepping away from this world. Mm. Um, it's a Michael Bay film. So it it has those hallmarks of a Michael Bay. But this film. one not directed by Michael Bay. Um, I don't know to be honest. I think I thought, he's still a producer, isn't he? He's definitely involved in it, like heavily involved in it. I will fact check. And it has as we go hallmarks of Michael Bay movies. It's yes. not as gratuitous uh, in terms of. So a lot of Michael Bay films have like this leering eye, um, especially on like female characters, and. This, while it's there at times, it's not there as much. Um, but what I did really enjoy is that it still has a great eye for action. Is it? Uh, no, so it was not directed by Michael Bay, which might be why it's a Maybe. less leery film. Uh, Adil El Arbi and Bilal Fala. Um, they have a really great eye for action. So there's there's moments in this where it is very much Michael Bay esque action. Yeah, but I don't know if that's just because that's what you expect from this film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got the explosions and gunfights and stuff like that. But then there's an action set piece right near the end. Yeah, and it's it's made to look like it's one uh, one take. It's definitely not. There are definitely mm-hmm. secret cuts all over the place. Um, but the way the camera spins and becomes part of the action and moves around. It's very well put together because it's not just 
you know, your main guys you're looking at. There's a whole teams of people in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings in like new elements and like new characters. Yeah. So new formations of like a secondary team. That they yeah, have to I was going to say there's like a sub team in yeah. the trailer. Um, and that sub team, you know, they're they're fine enough. Like you're never going to serve anything, the purpose. Yeah, that you're they never going to get anything to too deep. And I think if you go into this thinking, oh, there's going to be a deep character study, you're never going to get that. But what you do get is there are shades where there is friction between your two leads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Martin Lawrence plays it very well mm. to the point of, to the level that you, you're going to get in this film. It's not going to be a, you know, you're not going to get a character study of, like, Parasite. But <laughs> it's more it introspective than the first two. Absolutely, and it really plays with the preconceptions you have of these characters mm. and certain things that you expect them to do. Like the last one of these films was 94, I think. Or was it 99? I think the first one was 94. The second one was like 98, 99, wasn't it? Yeah. So, you know, we're talking 10 years on. 20, 20 years, years on. Sorry, that's bad math. Yeah, 20 years say, on from the last years? version. You... So there's been a lot of time between those points. Of yeah. How have these characters evolved? And actually having one character evolved to the point where he's realised his point in this universe and actually where it ends. And one mm. character, having not really grown, actually adds this real kind of enjoyment to it of, oh, I see how these have progressed. I, there are moments in there that are for people who really enjoyed the first two. Mm-hmm. It it plays like it's linking something right back to the first couple that you'd get more out of it. But actually, I think it missed a trick by not linking it Okay. Better. Like it could have really pulled off something. So you could actually go in relatively fresh. Yes. Without um, losing too much. And it's if you're if you enjoy a decent action romp, then it is fine. Yeah. Like it's 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 a lot of fun. It's enjoyable. There's a proper Will Smith performance in there. There's a Martin Lawrence's comedy kind mm. of like there's some really funny moments by Martin Lawrence. And there's one line it's in the it's in the credits. In the credits they have like callback jokes in it. Um, and there's one like that made me howl, mm. like because it just really made me laugh, and it's because of Martin Lawrence's delivery. He's still got that. So, if you want something that's fun, then mm. yeah, I absolutely recommend it. It's it's fun action. So, know how I reviewed Extraction last week? Yeah, Extraction is action that takes itself seriously and goes, "We are a serious action, a film. somber action movie." Yeah, Bad Boys isn't that. Bad Boys yeah. have always been, "We are action, but with the dial turned up to 11. Yeah, like we are fun. Yeah, and you get that again. And I think actually it's quite nice going back to this kind of action mm-hmm. because you don't get a lot of it. So, I think it's quite nice to revisit that area. Now that everything is very serious and very kind of. You know, John Wicky, for example. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a throwback. It's movie. kind of a throwback to that fight, kind of action can be ridiculous. There was a lot of that in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and I think, actually, it's quite enjoyable to do that. So, yeah, I, I absolutely recommend this for anybody who is an action fan. And I didn't think, when Bad Boys for Life was announced, mm. I didn't think I'd enjoy it. So, I, better than it had any right to be. Absolutely. It's another one of those films where, when announced, I went... I don't see the purpose or need for this. It's a Jumanji too much. And after watching, yeah, mm. exactly. And after watching, I go, actually, no, there is something about that film that makes it, it, it gets it hooked into It you. justifies itself. Absolutely. Okay, good. Okay, so that's where we're going to have to leave it this week, guys. Don't worry, we'll be back next week with more fun and games or gaming news. Well, wow. Or 
if it's a special edition episode, none of that. No fun, <laughs> no games, no gaming news. Just a dry, dry desert. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Buzzsprout, Stitcher, Spotify, and the one other one that Twitter? I've forgotten. No, I said that. Let's assume you did them all. Okay. Anywhere, a Buzzsprout. Anywhere you get your podcast. Anywhere. Anywhere. If you, if you find your podcast in a bin, that's where we'll, we'll be. in there. We'll be in the You'll, bin. You start emptying the trash out and you go, hang on, I can hear some murmuring at the bottom of this. Let me just rummage around. <laughs> oh, they recorded an episode of Dinosaur Man in the bottom of this bin. <laughs> yeah, that's where you get your podcast. We'll be there. We are Dinosaur Man podcast or just Dinosaur Man everywhere, apart from Twitter. Yeah, where we're at Dinosaur Man 15. And if we're in a bin... Then we're in trouble. So help us, please. Thank you to Johnny Knees as ever for the theme song. Smallest bin you could fit in. Five, four, three, two, one. Fuck. Kitchen bin, I reckon. <laughs> um, Oscar the Grouch. Mount Binmore. He's up there, isn't he? Thank you, Alex. <laughs> no time for my bullshit today. Uh, thank you, as always, to you because you did the hosting. And you're also the host. Yeah. And until next time, guys. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything. I don't know. What? Like, do we do serious and say, stay safe, stay indoors? Stay safe. Fucking, and if you free. go outside, I'm going to fucking get you. And um, if you did do your homework this week, guys, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry we had to watch Oh, yeah. Go. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> go fuck yourself. You already said yeah. No. Opposite. The other one. <laughs> You're a real piece of shit. Oh. 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 Oh.